Arsenal got a Champions League reality check in midweek as they were battered and bruised and ultimately beaten in a 1-0 defeat at Porto. With Manchester City and Liverpool winning in the Premier League in midweek, there's a bit more pressure on the Gunners as they take on Newcastle at the Emirates. Can Mikel Arteta's side take the heat? We're about to find out. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Like a tipping version of the Avengers, we've assembled the brightest and best to look ahead to the weekend's action, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, Arsenal a bit timid, I thought, at the Dragao, created very little and basically got schooled. It was also a pretty streetwise, weren't they? Yeah, um, quite an underwhelming game, really. Quite an underwhelming performance from Arsenal, too. Um you know, I guess it kind of breeds into the, the bigger picture conversation about the away goals rule and whether that has dictated teams like Arsenal and their approach when going away to uh, a tricky tie in Porto. Ordinarily, I'd have thought Arsenal would have taken a front foot approach, been aggressive, um, but they seem quite happy just to control the game as, as much as they possibly could. Uh, Porto were quite happy to sit back uh, in a deep low block and frustrate, and they did that to a uh, an excellent degree. Um, Arsenal very much restricted to set-piece opportunities. Porto defended those brilliantly for the most part. It was only really Trossard's volley, uh, which he probably could have done better with, that kind of opened them up, really. Um, a couple of other headed opportunities. But yeah, it was the first game in over two years where Arsenal had failed to have a shot on target. And um, whilst I think the defeat was was possibly slightly harsh, I think, um, yeah, he'd be um, a very sort of... Um, very Arsenal-backed uh, supporter to to assume that they deserve more than uh, than a draw out of that game. But uh, I think they'll still be confident about going back to the Emirates and getting a result, but probably not as confident as they would be if they played out a nil-nil draw in that, in that match. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put the boot in too much to them because I didn't think Porto did an enormous amount to, to deserve to beat them um, overall uh, across the balance of play. Uh, they a, carried a greater to... threat though, didn't they? I mean, I agree with you. It wasn't as if Arsenal were awful. But Porto took away every good thing that Arsenal do. They made it really difficult for them at set plays. They forced them wide, didn't let them play through the middle. It was just a really professional, solid Porto job, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was just, a, I would say, a, a standard Porto effort at the Dragao in the Champions League when underdogs and the knockout sort of Champions League tie. That, that's kind of what we've come to expect from Porto. And it, it required Arsenal to be better than what they were. Uh, to beat them, but um, yeah, I didn't think Porto were especially brilliant. They did have the the more uh, the greater opportunities. Galeno obviously could have and should have scored in the first half, but apart from that, it's just taken a, a wonder goal in, in the last second really to to decide the tie. So um, we'll see how they they fare at Emirates Stadium. But for Arsenal, I wouldn't be too downbeat, and I don't want to sort of dismiss what they've done before that Porto game just because they were beaten in the last minute at Porto. I think they'll be. Uh, gunning to get back to good form again this weekend when they host Newcastle and now what's becoming a bit of a grudge game, a, a bit of a revenge match too after what happened at St. James's Park earlier in the campaign. There was a lot of bitterness towards that result and the decisions that went supposedly against them. Um, Mikel Arteta losing his bloody mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Arsenal supporters will absolutely back him up to the hill, but uh, some of those decisions could have gone either way. I don't think it was completely black and white against Arsenal, but yeah, they'll be fueled by that. Um, controversy this weekend and I think they'll we'll get a decent display from them because their Premier League form since the winter break or, or since uh, the turn of the year has been superb really five Premier League wins 21 to 2 on aggregate the XG tally of 13.83 to 172 so they are converting at an, an exceptionally high rate at the minute but defensively they've been suffocating for most teams they've only conceded 21 shots in the box only 10 shots on target across the last three Premier League games just two shots on target conceded uh, and you know the back-to-back -back away games where they've won and scored five goals or more so you know I don't think it's uh right for us to sort of put the boot in too much on Arsenal I think no, we're uh, a lot nicer to Arsenal on this show now we never used to be <laughs> we, were, we were always quite mean about Arsenal, but we've been much nicer about them recently. That's just because well, they... Brian left. We wanted to just, once he was there, we had to get in. But when he's gone, yeah. No, we made <laughs> no allowances for Brian. <laughs> I, I, none at all. <laughs> I think Arsenal have deserved the praise, though. They've, they, they've been, you know, last yeah, season involved in the title race for quite some time. They've proven themselves now over a long stretch that they are deserving of, of kind of high praise, really. And um, they've done so recently with Gabriel Jesus. And I think I've enjoyed Trossard and Kai Havertz 
kind of floating uh, in between that kind of central striker role and, and midfield. Saka and Martinelli look fresh again. Erdegaard's recaptured his high standards and defensively we know how rock solid they can be. So, yeah, this is a tight turnaround Wednesday night in Porto to, to Saturday night at the Emirates against the Newcastle side. Um, so there is a, a fatigue element which will give Newcastle a helping hand here. But um, if you look at the the... The matchups across the park, it's hard not to look at Arsenal's right-hand side with Bakaya Sacco uh, possibly up against Dan Byrne at left-back. Um, Byrne has been utterly roasted by Ogbené, Alanga and Semenyo in successive matches. It's incredible how Eddie Howe is refusing to make that change earlier in matches or even start um, Liveramento ahead of him. Whether he'll do that this weekend remains to be seen, but if he does start there, 3-1, to one, Dan Byrne has to be worth a look in the cards market. But... Um, yeah, I mean, Newcastle are a funny one because they were so strong defensively last season themselves, but they've been really, really porous. Quite a soft centre about them more recently. Uh, Joel Linton's absence, I think, has been a, an enormous blow. So they've been able to field effectively their first choice back four, but without Nick Pope behind them and without Joel Linton in front of them, they have been exposed quite horrifically, really. They've conceded 19 goals in their last seven matches, which has to be a concern going to Emirates Stadium. So, yeah, ordinarily we'd expect Eddie Howe to shut up shop going away to the big boys. But if you look at their recent performances away at Man City and Liverpool, um, you know, both of those two teams ran amok really against Newcastle. Uh, so it wouldn't be a huge shock if Arsenal racked up the shots, territory, possession and, and scored a couple of goals here. But um, yeah, Newcastle, I think, have the ability to, to cause problems in the counter-attack themselves. I think Isak is due back this weekend. They've scored at least twice in each of the last six as well, including goals against City, Liverpool and Villa. So they shouldn't really fear. They should be taking a front foot and proactive approach here. But um We'll have to wait and see if they do. So, um, yeah, my approach here is to back Arsenal to win the game. They're, they're 142, which is short enough on the exchange. But if you go onto the sports book, back Arsenal to win alongside over 3.5 cards, you're getting 2.1, 11 to 10. And that's a big, big leap. And it's, it's, it's Paul Tierney in charge who has kind of dropped his standards in terms of providing punishment over the last couple of seasons. But <laughs> I just can't help. It's too nice. To... We don't like it. He is. He used to be quite consistent and reliable, but not so much anymore. But I think his hand might be forced in this game uh, based on what we saw at St. James's Park, as well as recent matches between these two teams. There has been a bit of a grudge game between the two. Obviously, Newcastle frustrated Arsenal at Emirates Stadium last season. Um, they'll probably introduce something similar here after seeing Porto's job against the Gunners uh, in midweek. But um, yeah, I do expect cars to flow here. Obviously, the, the pressure is massively on Arsenal. Newcastle will be more than happy to kind of scrap and uh, and fight and battle to try and get a result. So uh, Arsenal to win and over 3.5 cards gives us 11 to 10, 2.1. Tipster and odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe's been crunching the numbers so you don't have to stinch. Newcastle still in the hunt for a place in the Champions League, I guess, especially when you consider that top five might be good enough. It looks increasingly likely uh, to get a place in the Champions League for next season. But they do need to go on a long winning run and they haven't been, even though they've improved of late, they're not winning consistently, are they? Yeah, I think from a uh, Newcastle perspective, I'm quite concerned regarding their injury issues. Um, it's It's been the best part of a few months now where they've not been able to field on a regular basis their their best 11. And I yeah. think there is, there is a fairly big drop off to some of the reserve players or maybe not even the reserve players. Some of the, the second choice players, they're out as well. So then you're not even getting a third choice. You have to yeah, shoot. Sure shoehorn players in other positions. I mean, um, it's likely to be no Callum Wilson, no Isaac again this weekend. So probably Anthony Gordon plays through the middle. Um, obviously, Joe Linton is likely to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's um, a massive blow, which it shows how far he's come, actually, because when he first arrived and everybody thought he was a striker, and we knew in the Bundesliga he wasn't a striker, <laughs> um, but he arrived and everybody expected that, and everybody went, boo, he's rubbish, and now he's the really important part of the team. Yeah, he just brings so much uh, power and tenacity to that midfield, along with the the guile and, and creativity of Guimaraes. Um So, yeah, obviously a, a big miss, and uh, Lewis Miley will probably debutize for him who I don't I don't know um how good he is but obviously um I don't remarkable expect... for the age he is like utterly remarkable for the age he is but you're asking a hell of a lot for a player of that age to be playing every single week in a really important position 
Yeah, and, and obviously they lost uh, Tonale as well, and Longstaff wasn't really considered first choice, and now he is playing regularly week in, week out. I think he has come on uh, as a player, but still not at the, the levels of probably the, the other two. But I just love the fact that I think Newcastle's um, form is encapsulated brilliant in the last sort of few weeks. I mean, they had the, the three straight defeats over Christmas and, and obviously the defeats against Luton and, and Forrest where they were big odds on favourites weren't expected. Uh, recovered with the very easy derby win at Sunderland, but their, their four games of, of late have just been mad, haven't they? 2-2 Bournemouth, 3-2 v Forest, 4-all at v, v Luton. They won 3-1 at Unai Emery's Villa and obviously Emery's winning what 12, 13 games in a row at home. So yeah, yeah. I just find them impossible to to predict, really. And uh, I think it's the the injuries is is playing is playing a big part there. I think what's interesting here is um, we spoke about Arsenal um, in the week in the Champions League pod, obviously, and mentioned that they were four to eleven for this game uh, during the week. Obviously, a very small drift, which is normal. You'd associate that um, if a team loses, regardless of the manner that they lose, you'd always see a little bit of um, of money go against them. But I think it's really interesting that when Arsenal went to St. James's Park earlier in the season, um, Arsenal were only very slight faves, around about 17 to 10. So if you were to use that as a as a benchmark, Arsenal here should be around about five to six, four to five. And I think they were actually in this fixture last season, which was played over Christmas. And I think it finished nil-nil. And uh, yeah, there was lots of cards that day. Um so obviously that this is where it's it's quite difficult to maybe quantify how big Wilson, Isaac, Joe Linton are to Newcastle because essentially uh, the market is saying they're a massive miss with the you know the five to six down down at the sort of two to five mark. So yeah, I, I think this generally if you look at Arsenal's um previous um form line over under Arteta generally they win and the opposition tend to score you know so that brings in Arsenal to win and both teams to score but what I'm saying is I'm not sure that two to five is is actually something that you maybe want to get on side again I think it's really nice to come back to the fact that sort of regularly say would you throw that in an accumulator and I think there's there's enough sort of trepidation um yeah. that, you, that you put you probably wouldn't here so I think it's it's one to uh just to be a little bit cautious on maybe that two to five will get a bit bigger as we come closer to kickoff there is potential that is that makes it but i think it's more likely he starts from the bench and delighted to say that big bad boise is back alex boys from betfair returns after a spell on the sidelines boise how do newcastle go about trying to stop this winning run for arsenal in the premier league yeah i, I think it's going to be tough um, for them, to be honest, I'm I'm kind of on with Mark when it comes down to that right hand side for Arsenal and Danburn. I, I was nodding along vehemently when Mark mentioned Danburn because he has been hard. He's just been absolutely rinsed the last few weeks. I know he's been great since he went there. There's a feel good factor around him. Has he? Has he? Has. he? Yeah, he brought something good there. I'm, I'm no, he's a local a lad. He's yeah, a local, but... yeah, he's a local guy. Lovely, blah blah blah. But I mean, is he? Is he a he top was class? part of a very, very good defense last year. Is what I will, is, which I think is fair enough. You know, statistically, a very good defense. Now he has been found out a lot more. And I think it's fair to say that teams have targeted that. So there's definitely yeah. a red flag for Eddie Howe. And when they've got Tino Livermento, every time he plays for Newcastle, seems to be. Absolutely superb. They paid a lot of money for him, and I don't really know why they're just not kind of swapping them around. I think, I think um, that would be the the obvious thing to do. But I don't think he will. I think he will stick with his defence, which he's kind of he's very loyal, um, isn't he? Eddie yes, Howe, he which is. is a good he thing. Is. That is a yeah. good thing. Yeah, but it kind of it, the point I'm obviously making is that I think they will struggle. I just think Saka is in a bit of form. All right, it was a bit of a damp squid last night. The, the, the entire team going forward, but. I think Newcastle will. You did come say up damp squib there instead of damp squids, didn't you? I think I said squid. Do you, yeah, pretty... I, I, I thought so. <laughs> I thought so. No that's squids it, involved. Well, well, that's how it goes up north. It's squid. Yeah. Okay, to... oh, fair yeah. enough. That's a local um... delicacy. Is it damp squid? <laughs> right. Okay. I'll have to try that next time I'm up there. Yeah. Uh, anytime. There's plenty of those pop-up shops of those coming around. So, um, <laughs> So, yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm not actually interested in the bet in this fixture. I'm just going to enjoy watching this one at, at 8 o'clock on Saturday night. But I do think Arsenal, their recent Premier League form, Mark's alluded to it, so I don't need to go over it. But 
this is a Newcastle defence that conceded a lot of goals now compared to last year. And you've got a team in bagging goal scoring form. So I'm, I'm looking for a home win for sure. Now, we know that injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets and they've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbegambleaware.org. So we've started with Squid Game and Manchester United season something of a horror show uh, earlier in the campaign. However, that doesn't make any sense to Mark, does it? Squid Game references, make any sense? I've heard of it. I have an idea what it is, yeah, but not, not seen it, yeah. Good. The uh, usual level of disdain there, that's what we like to hear. Uh, United, quite rightly, have been given a kicking on the show this season, but they are on a roll, and Boise, they face Fulham this weekend. Uh, yes, they do, and I kind of feel like this, people are going to think this is deliberate because I'm not really going to give them much love either. Um because they're still one of those untrustworthy sides. Um, but yes, can't ignore the form. They're definitely in the, in the Champions League hunt right now, for sure. Like, you can't deny that. Um, but for me, when I was looking through this fixture, I still can't get away from the kind of defensive issues that they seem to have. So they faced the most shots from set pieces uh, than any other Premier League side this season, which, not that it really matters compared to Man City, who've only faced 46 from set pieces. You know, it just shows that contrasting defensive ability between the two clubs. I mean, it's a harsh comparison because Guardiola is one of the best defensive managers yeah. and attacking managers of all time. So I get that. But after 25 Premier League games, how can a side like Manchester United give up not only more volume of shots, but higher quality of chance from dead balls than Sheffield United, who have conceded 65 times? I just think it's remarkable. Every time they play, they look so vulnerable from corners, from high balls into the box. And I just, I think there's there's no complete trust between goalkeeper and defender. You know, it, I don't think Andre Onana likes his defence. You know, I wonder if internally he was absolutely buzzing when uh, Johnny Evans came on for Harry Maguire at the weekend when uh, when he was hooked off, because I just don't think those two get on at all. There's definitely well, I something... think I think if you look at what he's come from, if you think how well organised Inter were, and how, you know, difficult to break down they were at times in that Champions League run. And they had some really good performances away from home. Um, talk about Porto at, at the top of the show. They went to Porto, played really well, I seem to remember. And Anana made some brilliant saves in that game. I just think he went to United and it's an absolute horror show. Mm. And the confidence just drained away. And he's never quite, even though he's starting to make a lot of saves now, that click between him and the back four, which has constantly changed because of injuries yeah. as well. You know, we've got to bear that in mind. Lisandro Martinez is probably their best defender, actually. And he's been out for most of the season. So, you know, there's big gaps there already. Maybe I've just bought into the narrative of that. You know, was it the pre-season match where he absolutely blasted Harry Maguire in that um, in the, the summer friendly for a, for a goal <laughs> they conceded and it never really recovered. But there was a funny video going around at the weekend of when, Onana's reaction when Harry Maguire um, dived in on Carlton Morris and was booked just before half yes. time, which he he made Morris look like Messi the way he jumped in absolute panic stations there. But I just think Onana thinks Maguire is pretty shit, and I'm right. I'm actually I'm actually hoping for a, a documentary style interview between these two. Do you, has anyone ever seen this Ian Botham and Ian Chappell sit down interview from the the cricket the Ashes World? Yes, has anyone... yes. You know, the they long, each other, don't they? Long feud, and, they and they finally big. got yeah. they finally got them back together after years and years to sit down to clear the air. But it's essential viewing. Neither apologise. Both double down on their hatred. Excellent. A Excellent. few threats, and I, I think both of them just walked off in the end. Yeah. So this is my pitch from Aguirre v Onana, twenty forty eight. So I, I could uh, just see Betfair doing a load of social posts. <laughs> Manchester United star hates Harry Maguire. You'll find out who it is. It's just well, just you, kind of going through this soap opera between them. So anyway, here's, let's get to the point here. No matter who's at the back, they're You've had some kind of dream, haven't you, about <laughs> Harry Maguire and Andre Nana fighting. I couldn't sleep last night. In this honestly. show, basically. <laughs> um, they struggle from set pieces. I think that's fair to say. And so who can we get on side for Fulham is the way I wanted to tackle this game. They've got William, they've got Andres Pereira and Harry Wilson, kind of set piece takers for Fulham. So I wanted to have a look at the assist prices and because it's at Old Trafford and Manchester United, you usually get those bigger prices, don't you, for the away side. So um, Pereira is the man that I like. 
He's got easily the most chances created for Fulham, 20 more than any other teammate. He's got the joint most assists in the team. And he's 11 to 2 for an assist here at Old Trafford, which is the same price as Kobe Mainu. And there's 12 players that are priced shorter for an assist, including two of Fulham's teammates, which I, I don't agree with at all. I mean, Bruno Fernandes is the only player likely to be on the pitch that's got more chances created than Pereira in the Premier League this season, who sits eighth overall in the division. So I was really happy with the 11 to 2. Um, on offer and if he is going to assist from a set piece well you've got to go big so I am praying that Tosin Adarabayo Kev help me out is that right oh good good yeah, thank you could have just gone with Tosin but you went a bit further I like well it. after Squid Gear I'm I'm petrified to speak now so <laughs> um, but he's back into the team I'm hoping he's good back into the team sorry because he's missed the last couple of games he was on the bench last week so I'm hoping he comes back in um, since he got into the team early December, he's played 13 games and he's only failed to have a shot in three of those those starts. He's managed at least one shot in seven in a row, including five on target. So it's 19 to one for him to score any time and 60 to one for him to score first wow. on the Betfair Sportsbook. So I'm going to split my stakes between those two. And just for those who care, the, the bet builder double for Pereira assist and Tosin to score is 84 to one. Lovely stuff. Uh, Stinch, you had something from this game, didn't you? Yeah, I'm going to help Boise out and get him some free kicks so Pereira can stand over and, and deliver it because um, it looks like Luke Shaw might be out for the rest of the season. And with uh, Reggaeon going, uh, going to Brentford now, um, I think Lindelof will be lining up at left back as he did when he came on at halftime last week at Kenilworth Road. And OK, he's up against Ogbene, who's... Uh, been very, very good for Luton, um, direct, uh, very skillful. Um, but as any centre-back, especially with his wrong foot in, in, out of position, I think he's vulnerable for a card. Um, he's averaging 0.6 fouls per game this season, but he's played three three games at left-back and that rises to, to one per game. He, he got booked. Um, he didn't actually, he fouled Ogbené. He wasn't given as a foul. Advantage was played, but the ref went back and booked him uh, last weekend. Um, so I think basically rinse and repeat. Um, he's likely to be up against Bobby Reid. Um, but then Harry Wilson will probably come on for Bobby Reid with 20, 25 minutes to go. Bobby Reid um, being fouled uh, 0.8 times per game. Wilson, it rises to one3 Three per game. So I think he'll be in for a really difficult 90 minutes. Um, last time these two met, uh, Diego Dallo played at left back and he was booked. Um, so, yep, Lindelof to get carded at 9-2 to two I think is attractive. And also, if Harry Wilson does come on, um, I would get involved in, in backing Wilson to get carded. And if Lindelof hasn't been carded by that point... Um, Back, back them both a, a big price because Wilson has, uh, has been fairly petulant when he's come on this season. He's been booked five times as a substitute. Uh, I think it's four in his last five and he's, he's only come on 15 times. Um, so when he comes on, you'll probably get sort of six, seven, eight to one just for Wilson to be carded. So I'd look at that as, as well here. Now let's take it to the Bundesliga because it's been quite a, an interesting few days at Bayern Munich. Uh, they've lost three competitive games in a row for the first time in nine years. They've announced that Thomas Tuchel is on his bike at the end of the season. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was linked with the interim job. I don't know what's going on there. And uh, Xabi Alonso is the one they want. We don't know if Xabi Alonso is the one they're going to get, but that won't happen until the summer at the earliest. They take on Leipzig this weekend, Mark. My reading of this is that Bayern are not playing well at all. If you look at the game in Leipzig, they were 2-0 down and they had to come back and draw 2-2, but they didn't play well at all. They were absolutely smashed in the Super Cup at home, 3-0. They lost to home to them in the league towards the end of last season. And I was looking, and you can get Leipzig plus one on the Asian handicap at 1.8. And you only lose if they lose by two goals. So with Appender running in behind, all that stuff, Bayern looking really ropey in all departments. That was the one that stood out to me. But what do you think, Mark? What have you got for us? I think the same, Kevin. You've pretty much used all my points, so we can move <laughs> on. Um, I've stolen everything from you. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, you've done the three defeats in nine years. Interestingly, the last time they did lose those three games in consecutive matches, it was back in May. They'd already tied up the Bundesliga title. Yeah. So two meaningless matches and one came in the Champions League against Barcelona. Whereas this time around, you know, they did have chances, it should be said, against Lazio and Bochum recently uh, in those defeats. But 
they've had such long periods in matches, not just recently, but throughout the season, where they've looked rudderless, directionless. Yes. They've looked like they've 100%. been hugely vulnerable. Um, and also, I think the, the one thing he didn't mention, um, apart from stealing everything else, was the team use, <laughs> which is looking utterly horrifying <laughs> from a Bayern perspective in defence. Yeah. So Open Meccano is now suspended after his red card last week. They're basically coming into this weekend potentially without any right backs and their only available left back is potentially Guerrero, who's really kind of a left winger rather than a left back. Yeah. So Masraoui's out, Lima's out, Sars out, Boye's out, Open Meccano's out. Alfonso Davies is doubtful. Um, I would suggest he's less than 50% fit based on the news that I've read in the last week yeah. or so. So you're either looking at a back four with Eric Dyer starting at right back or a switch Ooh. to a back three, which worked brilliantly when they got absolutely stuffed in by Leibniz. What Lehmann a disaster <laughs> that was. So if, if if listeners, viewers don't know, in the big game against Bayer Leverkusen recently, Thomas Tuchel went for a back three, which he hadn't played pretty much all season. Eric Dyer, Kim and Diopa Meccano had never played together as a three. Um it was a total and utter disaster from start to finish. Yeah, so, I mean, defensively, they're, they're in all sorts of bother. Um, Leipzig, as everyone knows, are front foot. They've scored at least twice in all six of their games against Leverkusen, Dortmund, Bayern and Stuttgart this season. They're close to full strength. I think Klosterman's the only absentee. So you've got a side yeah. with the Xavi Simons, Danny Olmo, Benjamin Sesko, uh, Luis Sependa. So much goal threat in that team. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've been involved in some brilliant matches against the, the top four uh, this season. Three, three, twos, a two, two, a five, two, a five, one. Um, as you say, they've already had Bayern's number this season in the Super Cup with a better team in the reverse match and one here last May as well, when Bayern was still very much involved in the Bundesliga battle for the title. So they'll hold absolutely zero fear here. And uh, yeah, I've got exactly the same bet marked down here. Leipzig plus one on the Asian handicap. And I wouldn't put anyone off a little play on Leipzig to win the game either. Yeah, uh, I think Openda as well, the form he's in, be worth backing him to score as well because he runs in behind, he does all kinds of damage. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's a real runner in this game. Right, let's take it to the championship, shall we? Boise, you've included a Leeds game. That's not like you. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't help myself, can I? Uh, this is... Addicted. This is Utterly I, don't addicted. I don't think I can explain how excited I am for this game lads, to be honest. Leeds looking to equal a club record, nine straight league wins. We've won 10 of 11 matches in 2024, more than any other club in England. 27 goals, considered just three in that run. Um, and we're now 92 on to win promotion back to the Premier League, two to nine. So it's 82% implied probability. So Leeds are going up. Put that as the title. You've heard it here first. Um, we've got the we've now got the joint best defense in the league in terms of actual goals scored. But to be fair, we've actually been posting better expected goal against numbers than Leicester for a while now. Um, we've got the lowest number in the league from open play, and I think it's only Bristol City with a lower quality of chance they give up from set, set pieces. So we average more shots than Leicester. We've got more clean sheets, the most in the league, fifteen now. Seven of those have come since the turn of the year in our eight league games. Yes. Leicester have scored more goals. They have a few more points than us for now. But we only won one of our first five games back in August when there was real squad issues. You know, there was people threatening to leave, all that sort of stuff. So I actually, I'm, I'm trying not to be too biased, but I actually think we're unlucky not to be on a similar sort of level slash setting, setting as many records along with Leicester. There's a feeling that we're just full steam ahead now, Leeds, at the right time. Daniel Farker kept beating this drum earlier in the season. He kept mentioning the right time to get yourselves going. Now, obviously, that's that's pretty standard, whatever you expect. But if you look at his results at this level with Norwich, he really does show that he gets the best out of size at crunch time. So his championship, yeah, yeah. His championship record from January onwards in the last four seasons it is, 36 wins, 13 draws, four defeats from 53 games. Wow. So 2.3 points per game. So there's no wonder he's won the title twice. Do you know what I mean? Not many managers have done that. I think people forget that because he was so Norwich was so poor in the Prem. People think he's a bit of a joke manager in, at that level. But how many managers? Yeah, but have I mean, the they win the championship, but the squad's poor, so they can't. Yeah, stay they don't up. invest. They don't invest. Yeah. So it's absolutely no fault of his own when you really dig into it. So, so can he win it again? Well, I think if if we beat Leicester on Friday, the, the gap would be six points. So the title race. It will be very much on, I think, which is pretty mad to say, I think, because at one point we were about 19 points behind Leicester. 
Leicester have got harder running than Leeds. Uh, they've got QPR, Sunderland, Hull, Southampton, and Leeds all within the next five. So the Mark six... be delighted that you started that run with QPR. But hey, Sis Wenders, Marty, Marty Fitzhentwes, how do you get his that? Oh, he's in. He's putting QPR in great form. They're on a bit of a run now, Mark. I'm sure you might get onto that later. But yeah, they're they're definitely a tough a tough nut to crack at the minute. So six to one, the title odds for Leeds, um, and I think that that that's going to be gone by the time we we do beat them on Friday. So you may think this is a Yorkshire based rant, and you'll be half right. Basically, but... Leeds fan cast, isn't it? It's turned but... into, but that's fine. Don't worry, well, well, we we it's Broadchurch. We accept all voices here. It's fine. The thing the thing is, Kev, Leeds are the even money favourites on the sports book to beat Leicester. So, you know, they're 13 to 5 and they, they've actually keep drifting. So, I mean, I'd be surprised to know if, if Leicester have been odds against for any league game this season, never mind, you know, 5 to 2 and bigger and drifting. So, the pendulum very much swinging in Leeds' favour. And, and I think the market is, is taking notice. So, since the turn of the year, Kev, Leeds picked up six more points than Southampton, seven more than Ipswich, and eight more than Leicester, who, who there, Leicester sits sixth in the form table. That, so, that form will probably get them promoted for the rest of the season, to be fair to them. But I think the title is not a foregone con- conclusion. So it's it's a remarkable game in what is a crazy promotion promotion race. Um, all four teams, you know, well well within the shot of getting promoted still. Leeds v Southampton on the final day at Ellen Road. Can you imagine if it if it kind of comes down to that? But Leeds now eight to thirteen to finish in the top two. That, that's that's coming a bit since um, Southampton lost on Tuesday. And Southampton now are behind Ipswich in the promotion market. They're five to two with Ipswich seventeen to ten. So it's likely going to come down to these individual games because Southampton have got to go to Leicester, they've got to go to Ipswich, they've got to go to Leeds still, which is again just remarkable. Really, the running that they've got. So in all that, I'm not sure I even mentioned a bet, but Leeds <laughs> at even money, I think, is well worth a play. We know we've been going off around one to three in recent matches. So Leeds to win and over two and a half goals, which both sides matches are averaging averaging well over that, uh, is two to one. And I think that's a, a great bet. Um, I always love I always love to take advantage of these you know inflated prices when the when the better sides meet, um, especially in those attacking sense. So along with that two to one bet, I'm also going to put up Jorginho Ruter and Crescencio Somerville to both score and assist. So you've got Somerville, 15 goals, 8 assists. Rutter, 6 goals, 11 assists. They've combined for more goals than any other championship duo this season. They've created more chances for one another than, than any other duo. They are second and third in the big chances created list, according to Opta, of all championship players. And third and fifth from open play chances created. Six of Somerville's 15 league goals have come from a Rutter assist as well. So you can combine both players to score and assist in a bet builder at 50 to 1. But a slightly safer bet, Rutter, who is more of the chance creation of the two between um, four, four the other one, should I say. Rutter to assist Somerville for a seventh time is eight to one. So there's three bets for you there. Lovely stuff. That was almost a show within a show. And I love as well that you think it's going to be a Leeds headline in an episode where you've already said damp squid. And you've said that Onana thinks that Harry Maguire is shit. So there we go. Uh, moving on to Brighton against Everton. Stinch, this was one of the weirdest games of the season last season, wasn't it? Wasn't this the one where Everton went absolutely wild? Yeah, and when one five one and Brighton were one to three in the in this fixture last season. So it was a huge, huge shock and uh, it was one of the victories that helped keep uh, Everton in the league. But uh, this season seems to be going in a similar direction. Um, we discussed them recently a couple of times. They're really struggling to score any goals. They've just got eight in the in the last 12 games and just one win. And uh, along that period, if, um, along with Sheffield United, they're the worst team in the, in the league, which is which is no surprise. They are 17th, so one place outside the relegation zone, but they're level on points with Luton. They're 16 to 5 for relegation. That seems a that seems a bit big to me when you consider that Luton are 8 to 11. You know, I think. I wonder if people think they're going to get a few points back though. Potentially. I wonder if that's been factored into it that they think that 10 point deduction because it's going to have to get sorted at some stage before the end of the season. I wonder if people think that's going to be reduced yeah, in some way, shape or form. I think, unfortunately, though, you kind of go away from betting on sports to betting on lawyers in a way. Yes, so, yes. Um, it's not something I would... Lawyers only better next season. <laughs> 
yeah, it's not it's not something I would uh, get involved in. I just thought it was interesting that there's such a big uh, disparity between them yeah, and sure. Luton. Um, we've spoken a lot about Brighton's drop-off this season, but I think crucially they've had another week off. Um, and obviously they won 5-0 at Sheffield United. And it means it's 10 wins in 19, which I was kind of surprised to to see. I, I thought it was going to be a bit worse than that. Um, and it's only four defeats in that period. Um, so basically, Brighton at 1.9. And I think I think that's a, a bet because I think ultimately they can and potentially will outscore Everton here. So they would then win the game, basically. And it's a big it's a big increase from the one to three last season. I think the one to three, not saying this just for the sake of it, but obviously I think it was a bit short when when you consider um, perhaps the, the motivation factor of Everton. But we know Brighton are pretty much the same ability. Um, they haven't they haven't regressed at all. I would say maybe very slightly if you've been super critical. And we'd say Everton's level if is is definitely not better than they were last season. So I think there's been a a big shift in price, and I think Brighton should should ultimately be shorter. I think they're going to dominate the game. Everton averaged the second worst possession in the league with just thirty eight point seven percent, and Brighton averaged the second most at sixty two percent. So I think it could essentially be one way traffic, and it's just whether Everton take any of these chances that they might get on the break, because um, obviously Brighton do do give up chances. But if Brighton score two. I would expect them to go on and win the game. Let's take it to Spain. Barcelona got a decent-ish result at Napoli in midweek. Came out with a one-all draw there up against Hitafe, Mark. Uh, Hitafe have been quite disappointing recently in the sense that I keep backing them to pick up loads of cards because they're usually horrendous brutes under Bordelas. <laughs> they keep coming up with like one card or like two cards. I backed them for loads in the kind of Madrid derby against Real recently. It's like one card. What the hell's going on? Yeah, they're, they've been uh, they're shape-shifting a little bit because they used to I don't like be... it. <laughs> considered um they're often considered under two and a half goal specialists as well but uh, they have evolved a lot um in Bordelas's second stint in charge they're now actually quite good fun to follow if you like uh, attacking attractive entertaining football and I think they will fancy their chances going away to Barcelona who have to play this game on Saturday afternoon having been in Naples on Wednesday night I thought they were the better team in Naples. Yeah. I think that was pretty pretty fair. Um, probably should have won that game. Um, Xavi was very disappointed and, and frustrated with the uh, with the outcome of that particular fixture. But um, yeah, I mean, on the surface, surface of it, I think Barca are far too short here. I'd be looking to oppose them in some way form. You can get a Getafe plus one and a half uh, at around about 1.8, which uh, appealed. Barca haven't won by two or more goals at home in La Liga since September. But the... the Approach I'm going to take here is actually goals. I just think it's a little bit, a little less variance involved here because Getafe are now 17 points clear of danger and they're only six points off the top six. So they can go to Barcelona and play with a little bit more freedom, try and shoot the lights out a little bit. And, and they have been, as I say, quite good to follow recently. Uh, Borja Mayoral's having a, a real fantastic campaign, yeah, leading the line. Player. I don't really want to mention him, but uh, the player on loan from Manchester United is having a, an impact in La Liga. Um, and yeah, Getafe have now scored in 18 of the last 23 league games. And if you look at their most recent road trips, they've scored at Villarreal, scored at Betis, scored twice at Osasuna, scored three goals at Atletico and scored three goals at Sevilla. So five relatively tough, difficult away games and they've been scoring goals and creating chances. If you look a bit further back, they've also scored twice at Athletic and three times at Real Sociedad as well. So There'll be no fear about going to Barcelona, who have conceded in 10 of the last 11 league and Champions League games since early December, conceding multiple goals in five of those fixtures. And you look at the home record during that sample, conceded three goals at basement battlers Granada, five at home to Villarreal, two at home to rock bottom Almeria, and four at home to Girona as well. So of the last 11 games, eight have gone over, 10 have seen both teams to score. So you kind of combine the two, over two and a half goals in BTTS, we're getting 2.1 which is a, a quite attractive price here. That seems um, big. That it does is seem big. big doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I looked at Barcelona at home because the, the goals against record is is horrific, really. Uh, they're allowing 1.46 goals per game in front of their own supporters. Obviously, it's not the Camp Nou, but even still, that is not good. Um, and you look at the underlying data, they're averaging 1.32 expected goals against 
per game at home. So it's not like they've been unlucky. Um, you know, they are as bad as the numbers suggest, really. So Getafe have seen overs and BTTS hit in trips to Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Athletic, Real Sociedad, Otasuna, and BTTS Copta Betis. So absolutely no reason why a fresh, uh, vibrant Getafe can't go to Barcelona, score and be involved in another goal-heavy game. Let's take it back to the Premier League, Boise, because you've got a BTTS Acker you want to tell us about. Yes, yeah, so we all, you know there's we all know the games that are on um, on Saturday, but I'm I'm just going to recap them for you just 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 in case people don't know. So we've got four of the last five in all competitions, Aston Villa against ten out of twelve since Nuno arrived at AFC. We've got the highest percentage of both teams scoring in the league, Brighton versus XG outliers means we don't have a clue what Sean Dyche is doing FC. We've got four in a row, Palace against five of the last six, Clarets. Seven of the last nine, ten Hag FC against three in a row, Fulham. Iriola's four in a row, Cherries against Pep City, who haven't managed a clean sheet in seven out of eight away games, FC. And Arsenal, who killed all my nicknames, versus Newcastle, <laughs> who've had more goals scored than any other team in their uh, any other team in the Premier League football club. So, twenty to one for all of those sides to score on Saturday in the Premier League this weekend. We know it's been a very fruitful season for goals. You know, this month alone has brought 131 goals from 34 Premier League games. All but one have seen over one and a half, almost 80% over two and a half, over 63 and a half, and uh, three quarters have seen both teams to score. So to me, wow, there isn't an obvious one of those sides that cannot score against the other. You know, it's not like sometimes where you'll see like oh, Burnley or Luton go into Anfield, but they both scored at Anfield. Yeah, so yeah. You see the point yeah. I'm making, you know. Um, I, I put this bet on the six games two weeks ago. The City played Everton at twelve thirty. I left that one, then I put the the both teams scoring in the Premier League matches uh, the sixfold on that Saturday. And only Wolves against Brentford let it down, and they had one mark. They had one disallowed for VAR as well, which is a shame. So eleven out of twelve scored that day, and I just think these fixtures line up nicely, and I think we can go one better. This weekend, twenty to one for all six, all twelve Premier League teams to score on Saturday. A fun few hours that I imagine just cheering that on. Nice positive bet there, uh, Mark. Let's take it to Bologna against Verona. Verona did really well against Juve. Scored an absolutely unbelievable uh, overhead kick in that game. Or no volley, it was not overhead kick. It was volley from the edge of the area, wasn't it? But they take on a Bologna team. It's been absolutely amazing under Thiago Motta. They are, yeah. They are fifth in Syria, uh, way and above pre-season expectations, only outside the top four on goal difference, really. And they're coming off really impressive back-to-back victories. They had to play Fiorentina last midweek. They won yeah. that game. Then they went away to Lazio at the Olimpico uh, on Sunday, last Sunday, and they won away after falling behind in the first half. So they've now won four successive games in Syria. As I say, they're on the cusp of the top four. Um, one of the, the biggest overachievers across Europe, really, alongside, you'd say, Stuttgart and Brest in Liga. Uh, yeah, incredible effort from Thiago Motta and his team. He's attracting admiring glances now from the likes of Barcelona and others because of the sterling work he's doing. Uh, Bologna, very bold, attractive in possession. They will play out from the back. They will take risks. Um, and outside of possession, they will be aggressive and they will try and shut you down. And it's been very effective, particularly at home, where they've won 10 of 13 league fixtures. Their only defeat came against Milan, which was on the opening day of the season. And when they've hosted bottom eight teams, they are five from five, scoring 15 goals and conceding, sorry, scoring at least twice in each of those. Um, Yeah, they're playing a Verona team who have battled pretty well, but they're a difficult team to trust, especially away from home. Nine defeats from 13 road trips. They have won twice in 23. They have picked up one point from seven trips to the top half. And in January, a whole host of their leading lights left the club. They basically overhauled half of their squad, it feels like, um, with a new look team. It's always going to take time to bed in, but I think they have lost some some real key players. Um, they've scored nine goals away from home all season and they're playing a Bologna side who have shipped just seven in 13 at home. It's difficult for me to see Verona going to Bologna and going toe-to-toe there. So I'm happy to be with the home side. Uh, the price is a little bit short, but we can boost it up to 1.8 by backing Bologna to win and under four and a half goals. 
just one of each team's respective Serie A games have featured five goals or more. And with this selection, you get Bologna to win 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, 2-1 or 3-1. So a whole host of the most likely correct scores on your side and you get a nice boost in price on the home side. Yeah, it's been good to see Joshua Zixe scoring goals for Bologna as well because he was a buy-in, came through as a youngster, scored some goals, looked really good, and then just kind of got elbowed out of the way. And he's kind of gone the long way around, and it's good to see him doing well at the top level. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so beloved and revered that we would start putting Marco Hare's contributions on TikTok, but he doesn't really understand it. He thinks it's something to do with clocks. How it works <laughs> is that each of the three guys uh, gives you a selection ahead of the weekend's action, and our lovely traders wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. Boise, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to put Brighton up. Um, I'm just going to quickly elaborate, for if you, if you, if you can endure me, just of quickly. course, um, of course. Um, do you know what? Looking at this game, made me realise this was actually my debut back on the pod in November. The same set of fixtures, which brought a tear Aww. to my eye. You know, back oh, when I was lovely. just a child and and all that sort of You've thing. You've grown um, so much since then. Yes, um, I I won't go too deep. I mean, to be honest, Stinch kind of highlighted the price difference in this season and last season, five to six or one to three, which was all in my kind of um, going to come out from me as well. So so I appreciate that. And um, so I'm going to put Brighton up. Everton, you know, they at, le- at least five goals have been scored in this fixture in four of the last seven meetings. And it was three in a row before they drew one all uh, earlier this season. And, you know, whilst we criticise Everton, one of the reasons Brighton might have opened up at five to six is Everton's outlying. They're a bit of an outlier when it comes to those 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 numbers. You know, just thirteen open play goals from an expected figure of twenty four. By far the worst differential in the whole league, and that's continued in into twenty twenty four with just three goals from from uh, over eight expected as well. So their underlying numbers suggest that it may click every now and then, or should do. Uh, but obviously they did run out five one winners here see it last season. So I'm going to put up Brighton for all the kind of reasons that uh, Mark outlined um in the in the podcast treble my actual bet for the game i'm going to put brighton and over three and a half goals which is seven to two stitch what have you got for us i was going to back brighton um <laughs> over... oh, sorry, I, I was convinced he was going to say something about leeds and then he just went brighton and that, that... I thought leeds was off the table because it was a yeah. friday night so... we, no no put... no that kept me off balance completely but there <laughs> we should go we, should we put leeds in then as we had to endure <laughs> 25 minutes of Leeds FC. <laughs> yeah. Should we what put we Leeds in? He seems quite confident. We, I'll put Leeds yeah. in then. He's convinced you. The campaign yeah. has worked. Exactly. And that's what it's I've all about, right? Thank you. Yeah, thank That you. is what it's all about. Persuasive talk. <laughs> that's what it's all about. And Mark, take us home. Bologna, please. Lovely stuff. Um, now, you know, we've had all this Leeds business. What it's really about is Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. Oh, aye. Escort watch. Mark, the floor is yours. Right, we're going back to a, a previous policy, really, uh, opposing two of the worst travelling teams in Scotland this weekend. So both Elgin and Clyde are on the road and they're facing ah, very the tough Elgin opponents. the Elgin-Clyde double, I love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scotland lead two. Yeah, we can back second place Peterhead at home to Elgin and runaway league leaders Stenhouse Muir at home to Rock Bottom Clyde. At five to four, Peter had a seven from twelve at home, average one point eight five goals per game. Uh, joint best home defence alongside Stenny and Clyde are winless on the road. Lost back to back away days against their fellow strugglers Elgin and Stranra, um, and now it's obviously quite a decent step up in class. Stenny are nine from twelve at home, average one point nine two goals per game at home, uh, giving up just ten in those twelve games. They've won nine of the last ten at home, and hosting an Elgin side who've lost ten of twelve away, conceding thirty goals. But as I've mentioned previously, their away record across all competitions since February last year now reads one win, one draw and 20 defeats, considering twice or more in 18 <laughs> of those 22. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> so they actually won their last away game, which is the one win. Uh, it was last time wow. out against Spartans. So fingers Have crossed. Spartans they don't go back to just back. dissolved. Have they disbanded <laughs> immediately for shame? They, they should do. Embarrassing results. So, yeah, it's five to four on the home double there and that's good enough for me uh so yeah culture corner I, I can never remember who we have or haven't covered until i start doing some digging but um yeah peterhead and elgin i'm going to focus on those two teams because there's a, a relatively new rivalry brewing between the two teams because they are both expansion teams to the sbfl 
back in 2000 when they extended the league. Peter Herder up in uh, Aberdeenshire. Uh, we've covered them previously. Both of these two teams very much Highland clubs throughout their history, really. And um, Peter Herder basically left their more traditional rivals behind because Elgin aren't actually that far away from them. And uh, the two teams have been involved in some some bitter clashes through the years. If you look uh, at recent reports between the two, uh, there's obviously not a huge amount of distance between the Northeast clubs. Uh, Aberdeen are far beyond the realms of rivalry for those two teams. So they've developed a bit of beef between them. But um, yeah, I did some digging on Elgin, actually. They once had um, Britain's tallest footballer on their books between 2010 and 2014, Paul Miller. He played right. over 70 games, scored 15 times before moving on. He was six foot ten. Um, wow, enormous. Um, but yeah, that's about as interesting as Elgin get, in fairness. But um, I mean, just, six foot ten is quite interesting, to be fair. <laughs> well, that, that's the most interesting element, I thought. Really, I was just uh, just finishing my my prep, really, and then uh, I noticed um, Elgin won the Highland League in nineteen ninety two ninety three, but they were stripped of that title because they brought forward the final match of the season so that two of their players who were due to serve a suspension could be eligible and play. So not quite Calciopoli in Italy, but still the backlash North in the Highland Elgin. League. <laughs> the backlash in the Highland League was severe. So much so that if you click into the 1992-93 season of the Highland League on Wikipedia, if you click on Elgin City, who are top of the league after 34 completed rounds, ordinarily... Clicking on Elgin City would bring up Elgin City's Wikipedia page, right? Yeah. Well, not on this page. <laughs> if you click on Elgin City, who are top of the Highland League in 1992-93, it brings up the Wikipedia page for cheating. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> um, it says Somebody cheating. was bitter enough and bored enough to go in into Wikipedia and do that. I love I it. Know, it's amazing, amazing pettiness. But uh, yeah, cheating, it says, genuinely describes various actions designed to subvert rules in order to obtain unfair advantages. Love this it. includes acts of bribery, cronyism and nepotism <laughs> in any situation where individuals are given preference using inappropriate criteria. So that is what you get if you click on Elgin from the Highland League in 1992-93. Some people do not forget that kind of uh, behaviour. So, yeah, naughty Elgin City. I am here for that kind of pettiness. Absolutely, I am. And also, uh, me and a friend used to do many, many Wikipedia hoaxes. And one day, dear listener, I'll tell you all about them. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of great Cheltenham content, uh, not just on the podcast network. We've got lots of shows uh, on the Cheltenham Festival ahead of that, but also on our website, betting.betfair.com. We always cover the festival uh, really widely some great tipsters and analysts on the website so make sure you check all that out remember all of our shows are on youtube now on betfair's new non-racing channel so make sure you like and subscribe and of course we've got the sunday show coming up be a cool kid listen to both don't be a dweeb and just do the saturday show uh, we've got the league cup final included in that from boise from stinch from mark and from me it's goodbye for now <laughs> 